Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Hey, I am so glad that you're joining me today for Connect as we get into God's Word. We get God's Word into us so we can get God's Word out of us into the world around us. Um, so, so glad that you're joining me today. Excited about what the next uh, half hour or so has to hold for us. Now, it all started with one self-destructive leap. There were these shepherds who were eating breakfast outside the town of gave us Turkey. And they were surprised to see a lone sheep jump off of a cliff and fall to its death. But what was most shocking was when the rest of the nearly 1,500 sheep in the herd followed, each one leaping off one after another, the same cliff. And when it was all over, 450 of the sheep uh, perished in a billowy white pile. Now, those that were jumping from the middle and end of the herd uh, were saved as the pile became higher and their fall was more cushioned. The estimated loss to the families, 26 families who had sheep all grazing together, uh, was over $100,000, which is an extremely significant high amount of money in a country where the average person earns only about $2,700 a year. They said, there's nothing we can do. They're all wasted. They were all grazing there together, following each other off of the cliff to their demise, to their destruction and devastation. And uh, I mean, it's a tragic story, no doubt. But I also just think about those poor sheep despairing of their sheep lives. I mean, uh, you know, what was so terrible? I don't know. But uh, it definitely reinforces um, the biblical idea that we are like sheep, that all we like sheep have gone astray. And, you know, people, we just instinctively follow after the crowd, even if it leads us to our own destruction. That's why it's so important that we have a shepherd to lead us. That's why we need Jesus. And so, in our next passage in the Gospel of John, John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, Jesus is continuing this teaching and this talk about who he is, that he is the good shepherd. Jesus, these I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the good shepherd. And we find this, this uh, passage gives us basic training for sheep. Those of us who are sheep. You know, sheep need to be trained. 
so we know how to follow our shepherd. And really, this passage is about learning to trust in Jesus in a bigger way. And here we find three big ways we can trust in Jesus, our shepherd, in these verses. And the first way I find that I can trust Jesus is this. I can trust the passion of Jesus. In John 10, verse 14, I hope you have your Bible, you're following along if you're able to. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And here in these verses, you hear the passion of Jesus because Jesus is good. He is the good shepherd. He cares about each of us personally. He knows us, each of us, as if there's only one of us. And he says, we know him. We know Jesus. God the Father knows Jesus. Jesus knows the Father. There's a lot of knowing going on right here. But what does Jesus know about us? He knows us perfectly. He knows each of us by our name. He knows our past. He knows our future. He knows exactly what we are missing and exactly what we need. And I love the fact that the one who knows us best loves us the most. But knowing here is not just knowledge. It's an intimacy. It's a closeness. It's it's beyond just the, the, the knowing about and really knowing someone. There's a difference between facts and friendship. And Jesus knows you completely inside and out. In Luke chapter 12, verse 7, Jesus even says this, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. He says he knows you so well that he knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. And of course, he's made it easier uh, with some of us who have no hairs on our head, but we won't talk about that. And he loves us so much that he laid down his life for us. That's the, we know the passion uh, of Jesus, like the passion, his crucifixion, his final week. It's called Passion Week, where he demonstrated his love for us. In verse 17, Jesus says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Here in this passage, we get insight into what was happening on the cross, that Jesus chose to give his life. His life wasn't taken from him. His life was freely given by Jesus. In fact, his sacrificial love is at the core, the heart of who he is. It's the core of his character. Um, that's who Jesus is. He, he has this sacrificial love for us. In verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You know, this reminds us that it's not all about me. Sometimes in church, we can get this idea that it's all about me. But Jesus says, no, there are others. And who who are the others that Jesus is talking about? Because this raises some questions among people. Sometimes people say, well, is this different denominations? Is this different even religions? No. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He, at that time, there were two distinct groups of people. There were the Jewish people 
and the Gentiles. Basically, the Gentiles were all the people who were not Jewish. And Jesus is saying he's going to bring the Gentiles into his flock too. And so whoever trusts in Jesus becomes a part of God's family, of God's forever family. And Jesus brings us unity no matter our backgrounds, cultural, economic, any of those backgrounds. We're all unified as one through our shared faith in Jesus. And so I can trust the passion of Jesus, but I also, second, I can trust the power of Jesus. In verse 19, um, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So instead of being unified, these people who heard Jesus were divided. They were divided over who Jesus is. And when you encounter Jesus, uh, you can't just ignore him. You have a choice to make whether or not Jesus is either crazy or he is the Christ. He is either lunatic or he is Lord. The one thing he can't be is nothing. He can't just be a good teacher because that's not who he claimed to be. He claimed to be the son of God and he proved who he is with his miracles where he displayed his power. In verse 22, it says, Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. All right. So this happened uh, in the temple courts, uh, walking in Solomon's colonnade. That's also called Solomon's porch. And it happened at the Feast of Dedication. That is the, the celebration, the festival of lights. We also know it as Hanukkah. And it happens around Christmas time, you know. But what these uh, people were saying was, if you're really the Messiah, just say it. Just tell us plainly. But Jesus was telling them. He continued to tell them who he is. And he was showing them who he is. But they refused to believe it. They couldn't see. They couldn't hear it because he wasn't who they were looking for. He wasn't what they were looking for. They were looking for a political ruler. And Jesus wasn't trying to establish an earthly kingdom. He was establishing uh, an eternal kingdom. And that's not what they were looking for. So sometimes we miss God's power because God isn't doing what we think he should do or what we expect him to do or what we want him to do. So be sure you don't miss out on what God is doing around you because you're so focused on your expectations and, and what you think he should be doing. His power isn't so that he will do what we want, but so that he does exactly what he wants in our lives. Now, the third uh, way we trust Jesus, we trust his passion. We trust his power, but I also, as his sheep, can trust the promise of Jesus. I trust his promise in verse 27. My sheep 
Listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the father's hand. And here Jesus gives us these powerful promises. The first promise he gives us is the promise of life. He also says, gives us a promise that we shall never perish. And he says this life is eternal life. And life, this life is one of the great words of the Bible. The word life, zoe, uh, is the Greek word. And there's a verb, an action verb, to live or to have life. And what is life? Well, first, he says, never perish. Life is, real life is the opposite of death. It's freedom from any condemnation. It's freedom uh, from, from the power of death and the sting of death and the fear of death. But then also, this life is eternal life. And eternal life, you know, when we think about eternal life, we think about how much life. It's the quantity of life. It's life that goes on forever and ever and ever. Um, but eternal life isn't just uh, in the duration of life. See, if we were just given eternal life and, and our world is kind of on this search to try to just live forever, well, for most people, that would be a curse. Who would want to live on this broken, uh, painful, fallen world forever with all of its problems? But um, the idea that Jesus has of life and his kind of life that he offers is not just the quantity of life, it's the quality of life. It's the kind of life, a life that consistently uh, is a life of love and joy and peace and strength and all that, that, that the life that he gives. It's, it's a satisfaction. You know, Jesus says in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly and more fully. Um, it's a life that is a life of security and a life of enjoyment. I mean, God has given us our life and, and he's given us so much in our world to enjoy. He didn't have to create life in that way that, that we would have so much enjoyment, but, but he does. But that life is only found in God. God is the source of life. He's the creator of life. And God has appointed Jesus to give us that life. And that life has been revealed in Jesus. We see what real life is in Jesus' life. And, and that life is only available to us when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Outside of Jesus, we're only just existing. We're only just going through the motions. Uh, we're not that much different than, than the animals in that sense. Without the breath and the life of Jesus and the hope of Jesus that gives us real life, that sets us apart, that gives us a higher reason for living. And then there's this promise here from Jesus where he says, no one can snatch us out of God's hand. And this is so important because being a Christian and being saved isn't about how strong our grip is on God. It's about how strong God's grip is on you and, and me. Let me ask you this. Whose grip is stronger? Just picture you grabbing a hold of God's hand. Whose grip is stronger? God's is. He has a hold of everyone who is his. We're not just holding on. 
We're being held. This is called the security of the believer. And we have this great security. So you don't always have to wonder, um, am I part of God's family? Am I secure? Am I saved? See, God holds on to his people and he's holding on to you if you're part of his family. There are three kinds of security. First, there's what I would call false security. And false security is experienced by people who were never really Christians to begin with. These are people who think they're saved, but but they're not. They just walked an aisle one Sunday. They just prayed a prayer, recited some words, marked a card, checked a box, joined a church. You know, any of those kinds of things that people do, they think they're saved. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So we know that not everyone who thinks they're a Christian, that they really are a Christian. I mean, there's so many people today who think they're a Christian because if you ask them, they say, well, my parents were Christians. So that just kind of makes me a Christian. Well, God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. Um, Or some people think they're Christians because they're Americans. Uh, But that, that doesn't make you a Christian any more than if, I'm sitting in a garage that that makes me a car. Obviously not, right? Um, and so, uh, so there are some people who who might think they're saved, but they never really uh, trusted in Jesus. They never really understood what it meant to follow after Jesus. But the second uh, kind of security is what I would call conditional security. This is kind of like being on a roller coaster uh, of Christianity, where you're basing your salvation on how you act on a particular day, how you behave. And you think, well, I have to do all of these good things to be saved and to stay saved, whatever uh, fits in that box for you, where you think this is how I have to be in order to be saved. But all of those are conditional based on your feelings and on your failings. So in that kind of uh, insecure world, you could be saved one day and not saved the next. And you just hope that you meet Jesus on a good day. But the Bible doesn't teach that kind of security, that kind of conditional security where we base our salvation on on us. Instead, the Bible teaches eternal security that once you're saved, really saved, you're always saved. You're born again. So you can't be born again, again. You know, I love 1 John 5, 13 that says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know that you have eternal life if you believe in the name of the Son of God. And and he says that you can know. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You don't have to just, oh, I hope I'm saved. Jesus didn't come into this earth and give his life on the cross so that you would spend your life wondering if you're really saved or not. And people say, well, well, if you teach people this, this uh, biblical doctrine, this biblical truth of eternal security, uh, it's dangerous because you, you may convince some people that they're saved and they may uh, just, you know, continue to, to sin, you know, live in sin and continue in their sin. And, and we look at these people sometimes who are, who are Christians, but they're, they're continuing to sin. And we think, wow, they're really getting away with their sin. But, but don't be fooled, you know, even though they are still saved, um, 
anytime someone chooses to continue in their sin, you know they're not really living it up. There are consequences to their sin. There, yeah, you know, sin is uh, fun for a moment. It's a sin for a season, pleasure for a season, but you're losing the joy and the closeness that comes with following after Jesus. And there are also eternal rewards at stake. It's not just whether or not you're saved. It's not just about being saved, but there are also eternal rewards um, that that Jesus talks about. And, and that comes from obedience. So our security that we have in our salvation isn't a license to sin. Instead, because we know we're secure, we should respond to that out of his grace and out of his goodness by choosing to uh, say no to temptation, choosing to live closely with Jesus. And just to remember that you're being held by Jesus in a loving, living, and lasting relationship with the shepherd. And then Jesus, he gives us these three marks of assurance so that you can know that you belong to him today. Now, these aren't the only marks of assurance, but Jesus says this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So you want to ask yourself, am I listening? Am I listening? Not just hearing Jesus, but really listening uh, to, to his voice, the voice of the shepherd. And then second, he says they that I know them. You know him and you are known by him and you're seeking to get to know him more and more uh, every day and, and every week. And then the third is they follow me. Continue on following after Jesus each and every day. And it's true that, you know, there's some days where we stray off the path. But we keep coming back to follow our good shepherd, Jesus. So so let me just ask you, who are you following? Are you following your shepherd? Are you listening to his voice? Are you uh, seeking to know him more and more every day? That's what it means to to follow our good shepherd and and to trust in him, to trust the, the person, the power, the passion, the promises of Jesus. So let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your goodness today. And I pray, God, that you draw us close to you. Thank you that uh, that we have this good shepherd who's leading us, God, so that we can follow closely after Jesus. And thank you for, for just who he is, his passion for us. Thank you for his power that's at work around us and in us. And God, I thank you so much for your promises, your promises that you hold on to what is yours, that you never let us go, that you're going to continue that good work that you started in us. God, and help us to just follow after you today and each day. God, we pray. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you have a blessed rest of the week. Thanks so much. See you soon.
Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. Oh,